You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walthorton. Well, hello and welcome to the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in a kitchen studio, not my own kitchen studio, is Simon Walthorton. Hello, Simon. Hello there, Carlos. How are you? I'm very well. I'm uh, uh, quite full, actually, after <laughs> bacon and sausage rolls. <laughs> yes, you, uh, yes. So you had that. Did prepare them all for you, and uh, we had another guest turn up, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've got uh, another guest in the kitchen studio, um, someone who's who's yet to listen to a complete show, I yes, think. Yes, yes, that's uh, rather uh, annoying, we'll, but I'm sure we'll get him to uh, listen to some. Uh... <laughs> Would you like to introduce our... our uh, yes, um, uh... we've got one of my uh, friends, and uh, one of Carlos's friends now, because I've introduced him, is... Wayne Bo- Bova. Have I, sp- have I said that right? You have. Yes, okay. <laughs> I um, I actually worked with uh, Wayne uh, um, in last off, so uh, yes, uh, he's he's going to come and listen to us today and uh, everything, so I hope uh, you enjoy the show and everything, so we'll crack on. Yeah, he's here to uh, to see how things work, how the wheels uh, of um, aviation industry turn. It's good to be here, guys. Good, good. So we're going to kick off the show as usual with the uh, weekly news, and uh, we've got uh, quite a bit of uh, air shows, some information on some good air shows as well this year. Yes, Simon's got yes, for you. Uh, yes, we've got one amendment uh, on the air show circuit this year, and I've just found that out last night. Don't tell uh, them yet. Don't tell them yet. They've got to wait. They've got to wait till the end of the show. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, at least one thing we can uh, we can breathe a sigh of relief. Hopefully, it's a lovely day today, and it we've is. had so much pollution. With the Sahara sand uh, from uh, over in the Sahara Desert and all the uh, pollution from um, all the factories and everything, it's the air quality in the UK has been very, very poor. And in East Anglia, it's been uh, the worst uh, over the whole of the UK. Yeah, I've, I've been really gutted because my van was filthy today. Like I said before yes. I got here today, I had to clean my van. Simon. Yes, and uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, my mini uh, countryman is uh, looking a bit um, worse for sandy, wear. Sandy, a bit sandy. <laughs> yes, yeah. and it's going to have a wash uh, later on today. So we'll... Uh, do that um, sometime this afternoon. So as we record this in episode 16, it is the 5th of April, and uh, we're just coming up to quarter past 11 in the morning. Yes. That's so nice, yes. nice and early start yes, for us today, yes. early-ish. Yeah. So uh, we're going to kick off then the show with the usual weekly news. So if you're ready, Simon. Yeah, let's go. Right, let's go. Okay then, so the news this week, we're going to kick off, uh, we're not going to cover this story a huge amount because we have covered it in previous episodes and uh, there's not really any new information to give anyone. It's regarding the uh, Malaysian MH370 flight, uh, which we're going to say is still missing because we we just don't have any other information to say really about whether the plane has crashed or or not, or landed somewhere. (laughs) Yes, uh um, the uh, just following the Sky News feeds, and uh, there's uh, ten military aircraft and three civilian jets, and eleven ships that are scouring more than a thousand square miles of sea off the west coast of Australia. Today, uh, the hunt, which has uh, taken place this week, um, has covered large patches of the southern Indian Ocean, um, two thousand kilometres <coughs> and eighteen thousand uh, kilometres northwest of Perth. Um, there's been loads of flights made by the uh, search aircraft uh, that are continuing to search for any traces of the plane, which vanished from radar on March the 8th. Um, 
so as yet we've got no really other news apart from um, a couple of the uh, ships that are out there now, including one of the British uh, Navy ones, yes, are and carrying also, the pingers, the yes, searchers. And also we've got the uh, submarine, which is uh, going to um, obviously uh, search underwater um, and try and get a bit more, sort of uh, narrow the uh, search down um, and try and find some uh, sort of location of the black box uh, recorders before yeah, they run out. I think we've got about two days left now. Yeah, maybe I think it's other two or three days left we've got now on the uh, battery power on those on the black box. So time is uh, of an essence and is uh, running out now. So uh, definitely. Yeah. So we need to need to sort of start finding something soon, really, to put yes. closure to this story. Yes. <clears throat> so hopefully they'll find something uh, over the next sort of coming few well few days. Hopefully, yes, um, yeah. with with all the. Uh, the uh, pinger sort of finders, the actual yes. the tow along boys yes. or what they yeah, yeah. They, um, hopefully they'll find something there. Okay then, so leaving that story then, uh, we'll keep our eyes on that, and if we have any sort of updates, we'll put them on our Facebook page, obviously. So um, so that's uh, so we'll close that story for the time being. <coughs> so the first piece of new news and for this week is uh, on the Travel Weekly website. This one's Thomas Cook uh, Airlines, and they're facing a summer strike threat. So for anyone travelling with Thomas Cook this summer or holidays booked, um, it's best to beware. Uh, Thomas Cook Airlines are reporting or reported to be facing a threat of industrial action this summer in a mounting row with cabin crew. The company is proposing to reduce the number of cabin crew on its aircraft to the minimum allowed under EU rules. The Unite Union is balloting nearly a thousand of its members in a consultative ballot for industrial action. Um, the company wants to cut crew levels even further, which threatens to push the crew past breaking point. Uh, a survey of crew of the crew members by the union Unite reportedly found that 74% failed to regularly take their legal entitlement breaks uh, on uh, between flights um, with normal levels last summer. The minimum number of crew on flights depends on the aircraft. Uh, on aircraft carrying 235 passengers, there are five crew members, while on an aircraft carrying 180 passengers, there are four members of crew. Uh, Thomas Cook wants to reduce the numbers of crew uh, by one, according to the Union Unite. The Union says uh, that uh, crew will still be expected to hit the same onboard sales targets as last year, but with fewer staff. So not looking good then, Simon, for anyone wanting to travel no, um, no, with Thomas uh, Cook this summer. Yes, um, obviously they're uh, looking at um, their breaks and uh, what they're entitled to during the flight, so they're not actually getting them. So the union have sort of uh, stepped in uh, with them to try and resolve it, but hopefully that will be resolved and uh, won't uh, disrupt any passengers. Yeah, because Thomas Cook have just completely rebranded, haven't they? They've just changed yes. their uh, this, livery on their aircraft. Oh, this, this that's is their, their new one. That's their yeah. new one, is it? Because it used to be um, a rather... A sort of a sort of sun and blue and blue sort of sea and sun logo you know, the yes thomas cook one. and then the uh, red uh thomas cook writing which i didn't uh, really like yes and then now changed to a sort of gray colored tail with a with a, a yellow orangey yellow love heart yes that looks a bit better and looks a bit uh, better yeah uh, a bit yellow, more corporate yellow engines there yeah which yeah is, uh, quite nice so uh just keep your eyes on that one people if you're traveling with thomas cook this uh this summer um Keep your eyes on the news. Keep your eyes uh, in contact. Well, keep your ears in contact with Thomas Cook, um, just in case anything does happen, because you don't want to be uh, delayed or not fly at all or, on holiday. Um, yes. Next piece of news then from the ITV Anglia website. This one is regarding our local airport here, uh, Norwich Airport. 
and uh, they are opening their doors to uh, a load of budding engineers of the future. Uh, KLM UK, which operates flights from Norwich uh, Airport to European destinations, is holding its annual Apprentices' Day as it uh, opens for the process of recruiting new trainee mechanics. More than 100 job seekers are expected to descend on the aero firm to hear more about their flagship four-year training program, which includes both theory work and hands-on learning. That's good news, then. That's time yeah, for, yes. uh, for youngsters. <laughs> yes, because wanna... uh, uh, KLM uh, Engineering have been based at Norwich for many years now, and uh, this is, um, I think, uh, KLM sort of used Norwich because it's uh, fairly close. We're just over about 35, 40 minutes away, so... This is ideal um, area for them uh, to train uh, sort of engineers, and uh, they do have uh, their engineering workshops there. So it, it's uh, really uh, positive news. Yeah, it's great news for for like we say for young job seekers, someone who wants to sort of move into the aerospace industry, yes, especially yes. Um, in a job such as sort of mechanic side, yes. engineering <clears throat> side. Yes. I wish I could have gone for that, Simon. I yeah. think I'm a bit too uh, bit too old for that. Well, though. I uh, think, uh, would we be getting any work done or would you be uh, too busy uh, <laughs> looking at the aircraft and what aircraft are flying in and out? <laughs> yeah, because it does say there, doesn't it? It says that uh, theory work and hands-on learning. I think I'd, I wouldn't bother with the theory work. I no. just want to do the hands-on yes, stuff. Yes, yeah. The yep. camera would be totally out there yes, and taking uh, pictures and, all the time. Uh, and by the way, that's a lovely picture of the uh, KLM City Hopper Fogger 100, that is. Fogger 100, that yes. is, yeah. We've got the picture in front of us on that website there. So that's that's good news then. Keep your eyes on that young, if there's any uh, young uh, budding uh, um, aerospace engineers on the uh, listening to the show, uh, look for Norwich Airport on their website. I'm sure they'll have some uh, bits on their website soon about that. Okay, next piece of news. Times of Malta uh, website, this one. Um um, didn't just pick this because I love Malta. Are you sure? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this is regarding British Airways and they're recommencing flights from Gatwick to Malta, scheduled flights. Um, they're going to uh, start flights again um, with 145 passengers daily on its Boeing 737 and Airbus A319-320 aircraft. British Airways director... Uh, at Gatwick, Peter Simpson said that they're delighted to be launching this new route to Malta uh, with increasing uh, capacity from Gatwick for summer 2014, allowing us to return to the island. We believe the convenient timings for the services will make the route attractive to tourists as well as those visiting friends and relatives. Handbaggage-only tickets in economy class are going to start from €54 one way, uh, including all taxes and charges. And the carrier offers a 23 kilogram luggage allowance along with one piece of hand luggage and one hand, handbag or laptop for economy ticket holders. Business class travellers are allowed two checked in bags of 23 kilos each. Excellent news for me, Simon. Yes, yes. I'm going to look at their website, I think, to see how much their prices are for return flights and what the timings are. They're yes. all important timings. Yes, that um, picture you've got there of the uh, Airbus, that looks a rather dinky uh, little short 319, one. yeah, yes, the Airbus yes. 319. That is quite a short, little, tiny little aircraft, yes, really, isn't it? Yes, But uh, so, uh, yeah, going to look at that one, see how much they're going to charge for return fares. And like we said, the all-important timing as well, because yes. uh, no one wants to fly at sort of uh, one or two in the morning, really. Yeah, you get really, the uh, silly o'clock times. That's it. Next piece of news then, the uh, Mirror website. This one uh, is regarding a Ryanair uh, packed holiday jet. The uh, headline headle uh, says that packed holiday 
jet comes close to disaster after tyres blow out on landing. They are a bit um, uh, dramatic, aren't they, the mirror, really? Yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> this Ryanair 737 had 185 passengers on board uh, and apparently stopped only 20 yards short of the end of the runway at Stansted Airport. The packed holiday jet came close to disaster as a tyre blew out on landing. Uh, the terrifying drama took place at Stansted Airport when the flight uh, from Bologna, Italy, touched down. A wheel is believed to have jammed as the undercarriage was lowered, rendering it unable to turn normally at the point of touchdown. On impact with the tarmac, the tyre punctured and was shredded. Uh, The other wheel was unaffected on the aircraft, allowing the plane to complete the landing with no injuries to anyone on board. A source said the pilots did a brilliant job and it must have been very hairy. The undercarriage under that wing could easily have failed. No one was hurt in the incident last Tuesday, but passengers were kept on the jet for an hour before being bussed to the terminal. A Ryanair spokesman said that Ryanair engineers inspected the aircraft and replaced the burst tyre and it returned into service. Scary one, Simon. Yes, yeah, not very uh, far from the end of the runway. Uh, It's quite scary. 20 yards from the end of the runway. Yes, that is is really short um, amount of runway left for it. But uh, a popular aircraft, though, and Ryanair has the an entire fleet made up of the 737-800. Yes, yes. But yes. Uh, that one obviously had a happy ending in the end. Next piece of news, then, is... If we wait for the... <laughs> here we go. Wait for... It's a Business Daily uh, news website. And Leeds Bradford International Airport is adding seven new routes and welcomes one new airline. Leeds Bradford International Airport will add seven new routes over the coming weeks and in... Uh, welcomes a new airline, SAS, Scandinavian Air Services, to its growing list of airlines using the airport. Leeds Bradford will welcome the new airline, SAS, with a twice-weekly service to Copenhagen, offering a direct link to Denmark's capital and onward connectivity across Scandinavia and Eastern Europe. Jet2.com, Leeds Bradford's largest based airline, will introduce five new destinations this summer to complement their existing schedule. From April 3rd, Yorkshire travellers can fly direct to Hungarian capital of Budapest with twice weekly services. And as of April the 4th, passengers will be able to fly uh, from Fuerteventura, Canary Islands with Jet2.com and their operations to costs in Greece will commence on the 6th of May. On May the 14th, Leeds Bradford will welcome a new destination, Verona and Italy, operated by Jet2.com. And the airline will also introduce services to Rus on the 17th of June. Also, Ryanair are going to introduce a three-time weekly service to Girona, Barcelona, serving the Costa Brava region from Spain uh, in April 2014, from the 1st of April. Uh, Tony Hollywood, Leeds Bradford Airport's Aviation Development and Marketing Director, said that SAS's new service to Copenhagen is Leeds Bradford's ninth destination to a European capital. Good news, then. Yes, for, yeah. For those uh, for those living around Leeds Airport, yes. uh, more uh, more destinations you can fly to. <clears throat> I'm loving the uh, picture of the comet there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on the website. Yeah, yeah very uh, vintage aircraft. That is good. Isn't it? That's good. That's a good picture. That one. I haven't seen one of those for a long while. No. Not since Duxford. I think they've got one yes, at Duxford, haven't yes, they? Yep, yep. So next piece of news then from the Market Watch uh, Wall Street Journal site. This one is uh, regarding Boeing's relationship with uh, Ryanair. Um, and they're saying that the relationship is strong and colourful partnership. And uh, the airline Ryanair is unveiling a specially painted next generation 737-800 featuring Boeing and Ryanair colours. 
The airplane features the distinctive blue Boeing colours on the fuselage of the airplane, while Ryanair's name is featured towards the rear of the aircraft. On the tail is the recognisable Golden Harp logo found on every Ryanair 737-800, and the aeroplane is one of nearly 300 737-800s currently in Ryanair's all-Boeing fleet. The 737-800 has been the foundation of our recent successful growth thanks to its great engineering and phenomenal reliability, said Ryanair's <coughs> chief executive, Michael O'Leary. On June 2013, the Irish airline ordered an additional 175 of the world's best-selling single-aisle aeroplane. O'Leary said that the newly ordered aeroplanes will expand Ryanair's fleet to more than 400 737-800s and create more than 3,000 new jobs for pilots, cabin crew and engineers. Ryanair has been a loyal Boeing customer for nearly 20 years, so this blended livery is a great way to honour the long-standing partnership, said Todd, um, uh, Vice President of European Sales, Boeing Commercial Airplanes. Over the next five years, Ryanair expects to serve more than 110 million passengers across Europe, and this will enable us to lower our costs and cut airfares even further, said O'Leary. Ryanair describes itself as Europe's favourite low-cost airline, operating more than 1,600 daily flights connecting 186 destinations in 30 different countries. It'd be nice to see that one, Simon. Yes, uh, yeah. Well, um, once we uh, get a picture of that, uh, we'll put it up on our Facebook page uh, so everybody can have a look uh, at that. But 300 737-800s, uh, that's quite a big fleet, isn't it? Yeah, moving to 400 in the future. That's that's a lot of that type of aircraft. Yes, I know, um, obviously, those aircraft are all... Um, a lot of them are flying um, sometime, and some are on the ground. But where the heck do they store that amount of seven? Uh, <laughs> I think they base a lot of their aircraft in in various sort of uh, hub part, uh, destinations around Europe. They base a certain amount of aircraft in, yes. in different uh, airports, and they literally do fly from from those airports and no other. But uh, that is that is that's good news. It's good for Boeing, uh, definitely yes, good. Yeah. Um, at least they've got a, a good customer there of Ryanair. Next piece of news and evening times. Then this one um, is regarding plane spotters. Um, at uh, we've covered this story a bit before about plane spotters yes. being moved on from perimeter fences. Um, this one uh, is something that I thought we'd bring in the show because this is for all the plane spotters who do listen, um, who live near Glasgow Airport. Um, they're going to be banned from parking on or near perimeter roads uh, at Glasgow Airport on the day the world's biggest aeroplane is to land. The Airbus A380 is going to be flying into Glasgow Airport on April the 10th, uh, which is next week, isn't it? Next yes, week, yeah. Um, for three hours. Uh, police are going to impose traffic restrictions um, after the airport bosses were inundated with hundreds of phone calls and emails and social media messages from aviation enthusiasts ahead of the rival of the double-decker A380, which seats more than 500 passengers. The A380 are almost 240 feet in length and with a wingspan of 20, uh, 261 feet is the world's largest commercial aircraft and has never been to Scotland. But Emirates Airlines has organised a one-off visit to celebrate 10 years of flights by the airline in and out of Glasgow Airport. So Thursday, April 10th is when the giant plane, which is uh, fitted out with an onboard bar and spa, is due to touch down at 12.35pm and take off three hours later. However, plane spotters who drive to the airport have been warned that no waiting or parking will be permitted at any of the airport's uh, airfields perimeter roads, uh, Barnsford Road, Abbott Cinch Road and Walk, Walk, Walkinshaw Road. 
There we go, Simon. Yes, uh, they've been warned. <laughs> unfortunately, um, I'm busy that day, which is a shame. Otherwise, I, I would have uh, made the uh, effort to go up there. But I have uh, seen the A380 uh, take off and land uh, many times at Heathrow. Um, but it'd be quite a nice um, sight and um, photographic opportunity to take photos of this aircraft coming into Glasgow. So that um, I may have to tell uh, the wife's uh, dad. Because he uh, is on the flight path, they live on the flight path um, to uh, Glasgow Airport, so they see this big thing hammering over the. That must house. be a, must be a dream place to go and stay. Yeah. I think and yeah. only leave a flight path yes, for an hour. Yes, <laughs> but um, what do you think about the? Uh, uh, I know the police are uh, concerned about the amount of uh, plane spotters. There's two ways to look at this. Um, you've obviously got the uh, operations at the airport for people going on holiday, which um, obviously all plane spotters are going to. Um, cause a bit more of a problem and traffic jams but on then on the other hand those uh, plane spotters do want uh, to have a look at the um, aircraft coming in so I think it's going to be a one-off opportunity is, at the yeah. moment but this aircraft are possibly uh, making returns in the future possibly if, yeah if it, it depends uh, how Emirates sort of uh, use the aircraft on that on yes a, on a route yes like that, and but. I know also that the um, uh, another airport I think uh, in in the south somewhere, I can't remember where at the moment. Um, I think I've talked to you about it before. They do have uh, the police have uh, said if they get their photo done, they can have the um, plane spotter ID. Uh, oh, the ID cards. Yeah, ID we covered cards. that in the last episode. Yes, didn't we? Yeah, yes. So yeah. Um, I think that's going to be one where it's going to cover all airports eventually. So, yeah. Well. I'm going to have to look out for some pictures in case any spotters do put any on there. Because they yes. sometimes do put them on Facebook. Yes, I'm sure we'll um, Google that or uh, Google that and you uh, see something coming in. But um, maybe worth uh, monitoring that coming in. I think that's what I'm going to be doing on the uh, flight radar. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Thursday the 10th at half past 12. Yeah, yeah so uh, that'll be an Emirates uh, A380. Um, so you, just, you can't miss it. <laughs> no, you can't. It's a double-decker. <laughs> um, but it'll be quite a nice sight seeing that flying in over Glasgow. Um, first ever time. So keep your eyes out. And, uh, yeah, if you are do have the app for the uh, flight radar or flight tracker, just uh, monitor it and uh, watch it come in uh, there. Where is it coming from again? That'll, that'll be coming from Dubai yeah. with Emirates, yeah, into yeah. there, yeah. So... You you wouldn't want to be a Cessna one fifty sitting on the tarmac waiting to take off, would you? No, with that you, looming down behind you. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you definitely wouldn't want to take off after that either. No, I'm getting Cessna. excited now about this. I'm getting really excited. <laughs> oh, dear. let's just hope. Let's just hope um, we'll, uh, the weather will be uh, nice, clear, bluebird skies for this uh, coming in because that'd be some great photo shots and opportunities for everybody. Yeah, that's, you could look at a ten day forecast now, but they change all the time. Yes, so it's yeah, not be worth yeah. it. Yeah. Next piece of news from the BBC's website, uh, News Kent, this one, um, is uh, sad news, really. This is regarding Manston Airport in Kent. And uh, they had an offer uh, from an unnamed uh, potential buyer. And that offer's been withdrawn. Um, The airport uh, in Kent uh, employs uh, 150 people, uh, mostly part-time jobs. um, And they're at risk of losing those jobs now if the airport does close down. Um, the airport, unfortunately, has uh, been said to be losing around £10,000 a day, uh, which is uh, a shame. Uh, and it was only actually brought uh, last October um, by Anne Gloag, who's the co-founder of the Stagecoach uh, Group. And she brought the airport for £1 from yep. the New Zealand uh, company Infratil in October last year. Yes, we did cover this a bit on our previous uh, podcast, uh, but 
Yeah, I know um, this airport quite well. I've never been there, but um, it is uh, used um, numerous times for the Red Arrows and a lot of the um, air, air show uh, aircraft um, as one of their sort of hub areas uh, right on the uh, coast in uh, Kent there because um, it's a nice little area uh, for all the south um, south coast, um, along Brighton Way, uh, Bournemouth, and also uh, up for East Anglia and South End uh, Essex and uh, Clacton Air Show. So yeah, that is um, yeah they have be... actually they've cancelled their air show. We we put yes, that in the last yes, episode and we, we did, like, yeah because yeah, they was due to have an air show there yes, this year which has been yeah. cancelled unfortunately. Yep. I mean let's hope let's hope someone does <coughs> you know purchase the airport. It'd be shame to lose you know a, a key airport in that area because um, obviously that is it's handy for people who do want to sort of fly to sort of the smaller European yes. destinations <coughs> and it's close to home. Yeah. Yeah. So next piece of news then uh, is regarding Ryanair, and uh, this is on the uh, Transport and Tourism Irish Times site. Uh, Ryanair announcing 200 new tech jobs at their Dublin base. Um, they're going to uh, create 200 new jobs um, while they develop their new digital platform. Obviously, they've uh, uh, upgraded their websites and uh, they've made it a lot easier for people to book flights and stuff. So they're with all this um, increase in um, new technology for their website, they're obviously employing 200 new uh, people to run various parts and aspects of the business digitally online. It, uh, Ryanair is planning to intro- uh, increase traffic to more than 84 million passengers by March 2015 from the current 81.5 million. In addition to creating uh, 500 new jobs for pilots, engineers and cabin crew in 2014, Ryanair are now going to create these further 200 jobs in its new Dublin office to develop uh, its improved Ryanair.com digital platform, which it released uh, to the public earlier this year. We covered that in a previous podcast about the website being... um, I've looked at the website. It's a lot better than it used to be. Definitely a lot better. Um, Makes things a lot easier to, uh, to book flights online. Um, so that's good news. At least there's jobs in the aerospace yes, industry. Yes, it seem uh, seem to be sort of uh, taking off. Uh, um, excuse the uh, word, but uh, yeah, just <laughs> seems to be. Uh, yeah, seems to be uh, booming uh, quite a lot now. Uh, so next piece of news: then uh, uh, Ryanair's competitor, TravelWeekly.com. This website, the EasyJet, um, have carried more than five million passengers in March this year. Monthly passengers' carryings at EasyJet broke through the 5 million mark in March this year. Numbers rose by 4.8% in the month to more than 5.1 million. The load factor rose by 1 percentage point to 91.5% over March 2013. EasyJet saw passenger carryings for the 12 months to March (coughs) increase by 3.5% to more than 61.8 million. So good news for EasyJet then. They're uh, yes. they're on a par with each other now, aren't yes. they, really? Yeah. Ryanair and EasyJet. There's not much um, uh, between them. I think they're neck and neck on uh, their uh, flights and everything. So. so next piece of news, moving on, the Arabian Aerospace online news service. This one's regarding Manchester Airport. And Saudi, uh, are the Saudi airline, are moving to return uh, a direct service between Manchester Airport and Jeddah the first for over five years as Saudi's inaugural flight touched down in Manchester's Terminal 2. The new route, which will operate three times a week, aims to benefit business in the north of England and Saudi Arabia, as well as greater Manchester Muslim community during festivals such as the Hajj. The inaugural flight was met with a customary welcome, including a cake, balloons and flowers, with the first passengers given a complimentary upgrade. 
Charlie Cornish, MAG CEO, said it's not only great news for Manchester Airport to welcome Saudi back, but uh, for the entire region. The introduction of their new three-weekly Jeddah route will further strengthen connections from Manchester to the Middle East and sees another direct long-haul service added to our ever-increasing network of routes. Ever flown from Manchester, Simon? Um, No. No, I can't, I can't say I have. No. Have you? No, I've never flown from Manchester Airport. It's a big airport, though. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. I know uh, Virgin Atlantic, uh, they uh, have a lot of um, their sort of flights to America go from there, yeah. which uh, takes the strain off, if you can ever take the strain off Heathrow or Gatwick, <laughs> which I very much doubt. But um, that's an alternative uh, airport if you wish to fly uh, from Manchester instead of uh, Heathrow or Gatwick. Yeah. Next piece of news on the Flight Global website then. Kenya Airways have received their first Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Uh, it uh, has been painted and finished and been delivered to the airline and the aircraft is the first of nine 787 Dreamliners that the airline has on order and it will operate on its first revenue flights within Africa in the coming weeks. The carrier will deploy the aircraft to Paris in early June, says Boeing. The delivery of our first ever 787 Dreamliner not only opens a new chapter in our airline, but also for Kenya, says Tiltus Nukuni, Kenya Airways Chief Executive. The 787 will enable Kenya's Air, uh, Kenya Airways to explore new markets, improve its economic performance, and provide passengers with the revolutionary comfort while continuing to contribute towards the sustain, uh, subs, sustainable uh, development of Africa. Kenya Airways 787 deliveries are part of a fleet plan to grow the fleet's airline size from 107 uh, from 44 aircraft by 2021. And the airline also plans to expand its network to 115 destinations from 62. The airline Kenya Airways operates an all-Boeing fleet comprising of 767-300ERs, 4777-200ERs and 1777-300ER. And Kenya Airways said in March it will take delivery of six 787s in 2014 and a second 777-300ER will be delivered in May. Quite a nice uh, livery paint yes, job on that aircraft. Yeah, that's a, sort of, um, uh, we've got the uh, Kenyan Airways uh, um, painted uh, just above the uh, windows uh, right at the front there in a nice uh, sort of uh, pillar box red, a nice uh, pillar box red uh, uh, engine cowlins and hmm. um, a sort of... Uh, Green, a red, and a little bit of black on the tail, and a swirl there with the K on the there and white. Yeah, so that's quite nice. It looks uh, it looks nice on the. Um, I think nice on the I think uh, any um, aircraft livery, um, whatever the airline, it needs to look good to set the airline um, uh, show uh, show off the airline, don't you? Yeah, on special on an aircraft like that. Yes. I know I know it's had its problems, Simon. Yes, but, uh, yes. So next piece of news from the Flight Global website, uh, this one is regarding <coughs> Qatar Airways uh, raising the bar with its new a- a- Airbus A380 lounge. Ahead of the delivery of Qatar Airways' first three Airbus A380s currently scheduled for June, Flight Global has obtained an exclusive sneak peek of the lounge area installed on the upper deck of the Super Jumbo. Situated towards the rear of the business class cabin, the lounge features a pair of large <coughs> sofas, striking ceiling lights and a specially designed bar area. Fellow Gulf Air carrier Emirates is famed for the AIM Aviation manufactured horseshoe-shaped bar on its A380s, but Qatar believes its offering can match that of its rival. Qatar will configure its double-deckers in a three-class layout with eight first-class seats, 48 places in the business-class cabin, and a total of 461 in economy-class berths. 
Of the latter, 56 are located on the upper deck and will be offered to the airline's frequent flyers first. Now, me and Simon are just looking at the, um, and Wayne as well, looking at the uh, picture here yes. of um, the Qatar Airways bar area. That's, uh, would, you, would you like to sit in there, Wayne, have a, yeah. have a beer? <laughs> I'll have a couple of beers in there, without a doubt. <laughs> now, that is, um, that's quite impressive. They're, they're really up in the game on this, aren't they? Um, and looking at this, the only way you can tell us an aircraft is just looking to the side on <laughs> the these windows. windows here. But it, this lovely leather seating and these, um, I take it, these little um, brown things um, on the uh, seats, they seat. look like little uh, tables there. To um, put your drinks on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would imagine you've got some USB cables, um, plugs in there or sockets in there. Um, but it's um, very stylish and very uh, posh. You'd almost think that was some sort of a plush um, <laughs> Las Vegas bar, the way it's looking uh, there. But it's, yeah. um, Unfortunately, it's only for the first and business class passengers, yes, Simon. So yes, you, you, can't, that... you can't go and book an economy class no, ticket and go no, and sit in there. That's a shame. No. But, um, you know, uh, you do pay for this um, privilege. And uh, <laughs> although it's a nice one and uh, it looks... Um, Lovely and stylish. I love that um, light they've got at the uh, yeah, top there. Yeah, huge um, uh, light there. And, ceiling uh, light, yeah. And and the soft lights uh, just around the seating there it makes it look uh, good. And a lovely uh, plush carpet there. It looks um, absolutely it looks stunning. It really stunning. does. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to have to um, and, uh, save up to uh, go on that. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> and I, I honestly think that uh, this is only just going to um, uh, gradually uh, get better as uh, the years go on because they just uh, want to. Um, sort of a uh, bit of competition uh, mm. in that certain airline, so it's going to get better. Well, uh, fingers crossed, Simon, we should be seeing that aircraft at uh, Farnborough this year, yes. the Qatar well, A380. No, we'll have that um, bar in. Yeah, it should do, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure whether you'll be allowed to go on board the aircraft. <laughs> that would be nice. Yes, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll at least we'll get to see the aircraft. And it should be flying as well. Wow. So that'd be good. So um, my last piece, oh, no, I've got one more piece of news. I've well, a couple more bits of news then. Another one from Flight Global. This uh, is regarding Delta, and they're seeking uh, 50 wide-bodied aircraft. Delta Airlines uh, over across the pond there has released a request for proposals for up to 50 wide-bodied aircraft to Airbus and Boeing. The Atlanta-based carrier will evaluate the Airbus A330-200 and 300 series aircraft and the A350-900 and 1000 series, and also the Boeing 777-300ER and Boeing 787-8 and 9 and 10 series to replace some of it or all of its 747-400s and 767-300ERs, according to an employee newsletter on April the 1st. Delta operates 16 747-400s and 74 767-300s with an average age of 21 years and 20 years respectively. The types are among the oldest in its wide-body fleet. The wide-body fleet aircraft initiative continues uh, Delta's discipline to approach fleet renewal as we evaluate new aircraft to replace a portion of our wide-bodied fleet, says Nat Piper, Vice President of Fleet Strategy and Transactions in Delta. The aircraft under consideration will enable Delta to optimise its capacity with within the market uh, by matching the right aircraft with the right market. Delta is also understood to be considering a potential re-engined A330-300F Airbus decides to go forward with the program, various analysts have said. The carrier anticipates making a decision uh, and placing an order in the second half of 2014. Flown with Delta before, Simon. Yes, uh, one or two times. Uh, that's a, a lovely airline uh, to fly with. Uh, 
think I just uh, trying to think uh, possibly on the uh, L1011 TriStar or the DC10. Oh, so don't go on about TriStars. <laughs> <laughs> you don't bring up things like TriStars here. Not when I'm sitting here, Simon. Yeah. So. Oh, good. So uh, we're going to do one more last piece of news, and um, this is something that Simon picked up just before we started the show. Um, this one is regarding uh, a crash that happened uh, in Essex, Simon. Do yes. you, want to, you want to go with this one? Yes. Um, this is uh, following uh, two uh, people uh, who uh, were actually killed in a Yak-52 aircraft, uh, which crashed at uh, 1455 uh, GMT in a field uh, near Cook's Mill Green on the A414 west of Chelmsford in Essex. Um, so this uh, happened uh, the 29th of uh, March. Uh, condolences uh, go out to um, the two people and uh, the families uh, of these uh, people who uh, were killed. Um, now the yaks uh, are used um, by the yak display team, so um, fingers crossed this wasn't uh, one of those, because um, I've seen them many a times and... Uh, it's uh, sh- such a shame, uh, but the uh, aircraft is reported that the uh, a light when uh, it crashed. It was uh, well alight uh, when the emergency services arrived. But the um, eyewitnesses said, um, told the BBC they saw the plane somersault before nose diving. So um, it may have been uh, sort of engine failure or some uh, malfunction mm. of some kind. But it's um, it's a shame. I've seen I've seen those flying at uh, before at Duxford. Yes, I've seen them at last. Pretty awesome aircraft yes, to see flying. Uh, yes, uh, they normally uh, fly in a formation of about uh, seven, eight or nine. Um, and it's quite interesting and a lovely display to watch. So, um, yeah, very sad. Oh. So we're going to leave uh, that news story then. And uh, we're going to come back just after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we <laughs> So uh moving on then to the next part of the show then we're going to have some uh, some military aviation news from Simon and he's also got some uh, some aviation news. Uh, but first, we're going to put in a segment that uh, we we were supposed to put in a long while ago. But Simon's been he's been a busy man. Yes, been, been yes. trying to uh, sort his top ten list of aircraft. If yeah. you remember, way back, I done my top ten list of aircraft um, of uh, commercial uh, passenger aircraft. Simon's produced his very own list of uh, uh, military aircraft. His his favourite top ten. So take it away, Simon. Right, uh, my top ten. Um, there are 
I can only fit 10 in, and I've got so many uh, nice aircraft, which I actually uh, like. Um, I've had to uh, change, and there's a few outsiders on this, uh, which is a shame. So uh... Outsiders? Was that uh, Grand National? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right, um, in at number 10 is the Tornado GR4, um, which is um, coming to the end of its life now, and uh, that is based, um, has been based at Lossiemouth and uh, also at RAF Marham. And uh, that will uh, be replaced by the um, new uh, F-22 uh, Raptor and the F-35 uh, very soon. Um, I think we're going to see one of them this year at React. Um, number nine is the Typhoon. Um, that is a lovely aircraft. It's sort of triangular shape but, and that is on the air show circuit quite a lot. Um, so I really enjoy that air aircraft. Uh, most of these are sort of uh, still flying apart from where one or two. And then uh, number eight is the Shorts Tucano, um, which is a single prop aircraft uh, trainer, um, twin seater. And I uh, really uh, enjoy this aircraft. It's got the uh, poppies on it, um, lest we forget our logo for the 2014. Uh, number seven is the Hawker Hunter, um, uh, Mr. Mina, uh, being uh, one of the most colourful uh, aircraft on the airshow circuit Um most enjoyable uh, ones that I have uh, seen, and you've uh, seen that quite a few times as well, haven't you? Uh, the misdemeanor, yeah. Hawk I Hunter. saw that. Um, uh, when did I last see misdemeanor? That was, I think that was that was at Farnborough, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that was at Farnborough, misdemeanor, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, seen him at uh, numerous air shows all over the UK, and he does some spectacular. Um, displays and it is very enjoyable to see the aircraft and i've uh, seen it at ducksford a few times and uh seen it on the ground and i'll uh, post some more photos up on our um, podcast uh, uh facebook web web page for you to have a look at and it's just a spectacular um color color scheme uh, with the uh starts off with the sort of uh, creamy white and it goes into a yellow and then uh, orange and then reds and then blues and then to a black. Um, so it's a lovely, uh, lovely, lovely aircraft. Right, number six is the Lancaster. Now, hopefully this year, um, the Battle of Britain uh, Memorial flight have uh, got one of these flying. We're going to see t possibly two of these uh, aircraft uh, flying, uh, which will uh, be good. And uh, We haven't seen that for a long while. No, I haven't seen that one, actually. Um, so, so uh, yeah, hopefully uh, with the, we'll have the BBMF and the Canadian uh, Lancaster flying together this, this season in 2014. Right, number five is the Spitfire, um, which, which has helped uh, us uh, win um, World War One and Two. So it was a great aircraft um, uh, to watch um, at the air shows um, every year and still is. And uh, there are still a lot of uh, Spitfires flying uh, information. And if you wish to see the Spitfires flying, Duxford is a good bet to uh, uh, go to see um, big formations, and we're talking 20-plus uh, uh, Spitfires formations. I've got, I've got quite an interesting piece of information for you on the Spitfire, Simon. Yes. How, I've got the actual unit cost price of one of those in 1939. Go on, hit me with it. Do you want to have a, take a, a wild guess at how um, much you think a Spitfire would cost oh, in 1939, yeah. the unit cost? 20 to £30? Pounds? No, no, blimey. <laughs> Even I'd go and buy no. one, then. <laughs> No, the uh, the unit cost of a of a uh, Spitfire Supermarine Spitfire in 1939 was twelve thousand six hundred and four pounds. 
12,604 pounds. I did think pounds. it would be a lot less than that. That's, no, that's, that's, that, that's, that's what it is. That's quite a lot of money at the, in those in days. In those days, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right. In at number four is uh, the Concorde, which is no longer flying um, because of uh, costs and, uh, and uh, maintenance on, on the aircraft. Uh, but Concorde and Air France were the main uh, carriers and the two airlines that actually used the Concorde. Uh, there is one based at Duxford, which was a prototype, and uh, that did actually fly in to Duxford, um, and is still there to see today, and you can board that. Um, it's got an escape hatch on that. You've been on that as well, Yeah, I've been on that quite a few times. Very good. Yeah, it's very uh, interesting. And uh, we've talked about this in the previous podcast. The actual uh, Concorde they've got there now, it has um, also, they've got the uh, nose cone working um on the uh, cockpit now so it's mm. fully uh, operational uh, and uh, running so they do that um, occasionally um if you go on youtube you will be able to see it um in use but it's um it's quite fascinating because it's got the uh, protective shield when it's at uh full speed actually and take off it does actually close up so it's got the full uh, streamline uh, effect on it so it is impressive uh, to see so it's well worth uh, looking at That'd be good to see that doing some great Yes, runs. Um, and uh, Concorde, uh, as I said before, is such a, a graceful aircraft and uh, will be a long while before we see uh, any uh, real supersonic passenger aircraft uh, back in service. And uh, Mum did actually fly uh, on this, as I said, uh, back in 1994, uh, which uh, me and my brother uh, paid for her um, birthday flight around the Bay of Biscay, supersonic, so um, she had an enjoyable time and that was uh, enjoyable for us as well to watch it take off and land uh, with uh, knowing that she was on board. Right, number three is the Harrier GR9, which uh, sadly is another aircraft that's been withdrawn and still had uh, quite a lot of life in it and uh, it was such a shame. And um, this aircraft is um, possibly unique in itself until the uh, new aircraft uh, replace it which would be the F-35, um, because you don't need any uh, runway for this. It can uh, land in the trees, in a forest, anywhere, on a sort of a helipad, because of its hover capabilities. And uh, obviously, uh, seen this many a times. And unfortunately, one did actually uh, ditch in the sea off Lowestoft at the Lowestoft uh, Seafront Air Festival. I remember the YouTube video in that, yeah. Yeah, so um, that was a shame. Uh, but um, yeah, so that was... Um, uh, sad to see that aircraft uh, sort of uh, out of service now and uh, the remainder of those have got a Mojave Desert and are stored out there and the uh, Yanks are actually uh, using them for their spare parts and uh, and everything so uh, that is uh, the last of the Harrier but they are there are a few um, scattered around a lot of the uh, air bases um, uh, I say air bases for the air shows and uh, sort of museums around the UK so um you can still have a look at them uh, and uh, everything in there. Right, number two is the Red Arrows. Um, I've put the put that aircraft, and uh, Carlos is laughing here. And uh, <laughs> number, and, number and so, two, yes, and uh, so is uh, Wayne. As a matter of fact, as I'm uh, glancing <laughs> over my shoulder here, um, uh, I've put the Red Arrows uh, Hawk in at number two because this is one of my uh, passionate uh, aircraft, and uh, everybody knows I love the Red Arrows, so I've had to put it in at number two. Um, uh, it was uh, introduced uh, many years back, and uh, the Red Arrows have had it since 1976 to 1977. Um, that was their main sort of start years, and they're still using it today at the moment. Um, they're using the T1 and T1A uh, marks on the Hawk. Um, and I, there are 
numerous uh, new versions uh, which are in service, uh, but the Red Arrows have yet to get them. But there are a few registered, uh, which I believe that they will uh, hopefully uh, take in the future. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, number two. And number one, this is the the air, my top aircraft of all time, and I don't care what anybody says. And uh, if you haven't seen this flying, um, which I have uh, many years ago, and that was back at the uh, Mildenhall Air Fate um, in the 1980s, uh, mm. is the SR-71A Blackbird. Um, now, to believe this and to uh, see this aircraft, you've got to see it fly... If you haven't seen it ever fly, this aircraft, well, it's just absolutely out of this world. And uh, it's been, uh, it was um, sort of uh, in service for many years. And uh, it was introduced in uh, 1966 and uh, retired in 1998. Um, and uh, primarily used with the United States Air Force and NASA. And there was only 32 built. And it was developed by uh, Lockheed under the A-12. And it was... Um, designer was Clarence Kelly Johnson um, and he was um, part of the Lockheed Skunk Works division um, they were based at Area 51 so uh, this was a secret aircraft uh, then but uh, like I say um, I've actually seen it um, many a times I think about oh I've seen it about seven or eight times uh, flying mainly at the Mildenhall Air Fight and it was a spectacular show and I've actually seen it uh, fly over my mum's house uh, North Lowestoft one day, uh, it's a Saturday, um, they did uh, warn us that the aircraft would be in the area and uh, doing a lot of uh, low-level flights and test flights. And it came over the Sioux low. Its engines were completely switched off until it got over the sea. It just um, was going so fast, but it was you could see it, and I wish I had my camera with me, and it was such a, a sight that I'll never forget. But um, this aircraft is just totally amazing. And the uh, big, huge... Um, Pratt & Whitney's. Yeah. Powered by Pratt and Whitney's. Yes, yes, yeah, and uh, it can fly on the edge of uh, space and uh, the stealth and uh, threat avoidance of it. And at one point, um, it was taking pictures over Libya uh, one year, and they actually fired on the aircraft. And the pilot, the pilots just put it on uh, full power, and they outran um, all the missiles that were uh, aimed at uh, trying to bring the aircraft down. So. Uh, that must have been quite nice for the pilots and uh, quite a relief, really, uh, having all that extra power and uh, Mach 3.4. So that's quite a... That's quite a speed. <laughs> that is... Um, I, just looking at the um, the uh, service ceiling on that, 85,000 feet. Yeah, you're just on the curvature <laughs> of the Earth. And, um, and also, another thing, the uh, uh, thrust, a static thrust on this is 32,500, uh, which is... Um, a heck of a lot of uh, power. And it was uh, available for air-to-air -air refueling with the KC-135 tankers. And um, and uh, the aircraft was just such a, um, a great aircraft for use uh, for surveillance and taking photos uh, all over the world and Russia and everything. But um, the actual uh, pilots wear full, um, full space suits um, because of the um, pressure in the cabin and everything. And... Uh, and the uh, altitude of the aircraft. So um, it done actual uh, missions flown was 3,551 mission sorties, 17,300 total sorties flown, 11,008 mission flight hours, 53,490 total flight hours, and 2,752 hours Mach 3 time missions, 
and then 11,675 hours at Mac 3 time. Uh, so that was um, that's quite an impressive uh, catalogue of um, missions uh, for the uh, SR-71A. And uh, sadly, uh, it's not flying anymore. But if you go to Duxford, uh, they have the only one outside of the UK. So um, And you can actually touch it. You can. Because I've, I've put my hands on that aircraft. <laughs> and uh, one of the ex-pilots um, does actually do tours of that aircraft. So if you are interested in um, sort of stealth, uh, technology and everything, and uh, he has a book there, um, which he of- often signs. But he does uh, complete tours of the aircraft, and if you look on the under undercarriage or the front wheel, uh, whoops, you will notice a lot of uh, um, a lot of the uh, pilots have actually signed it. So uh, yeah, that's uh, quite impressive. Good, good. Okay, Simon, your top ten then. Yes. Well done, well done. Yeah, sorry for the delay on that. <laughs> He's a busy man, is Simon. Okay, then, so those of you who uh, have been following us on Facebook will know um, we've uh, got a new segment to uh, plan the show this week, and hopefully it's going to be a weekly segment, and it's from uh, a guy that some of you may know. Um, We've plugged him on the podcast a few times, and uh, he's a pilot, Pilot Pip, and he produces uh, a podcast himself called the uh, Plane Safety Podcast. And that's available on iTunes now. His first episode is available on there. Uh, pilot Pip, is he's a line pilot for quite a large uh, um, airline that covers all, all the world, really. And um, he's uh, basing his uh, podcast on everything to do with uh, air, aircraft safety and pilot safety and also uh, some great information for passengers as well on uh, air, aircraft safety. So Pip has very kindly uh, uh, agreed to come in and um, uh, put a segment in on the show and we're going to play that segment for you now. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi everybody, it's Pilot Pip here from the Plane Safety Podcast. Uh, In this new segment of the always excellent Plane Talking UK podcast, I'd like to talk about some aspects of flight safety that you as airline passengers might find interesting. And this week I'd like to talk about missed approaches, or go-arounds as they're sometimes called, uh, what they are and why they sometimes happen. Now, your average airline passenger who flies maybe two or three times a year has probably never experienced a missed approach. Um, But actually, they're not that uncommon an occurrence. Now, I've been uh, a passenger on an airliner a few times when it's gone around, and I've always been interested to note the reaction of the people sitting around me. Mostly, it's mild surprise, a raised eyebrow that we're going up instead of down. But others react with alarm and even fear. You can see them clenching the armrests and I can certainly understand this the expectation is of an imminent and safe landing but suddenly that's replaced with the unexpected and the natural reaction is to be fearful of of what's about to happen you know the changes in the noises from the engine the increasing pitch of the aircraft as it transitions from a gentle descent to a rapid climb the sounds of the undercarriage and flaps being retracted and these are all enough to make uh, a maybe already nervous passenger fearful of, of what's about to happen. And usually this all happens with uh, no prior warning from the crew. However, 
as a pilot, I would say there really is nothing to worry about. The missed approach is a very normal manoeuvre. It may seem quite dramatic, but it's very controlled and it's a very safe procedure. And it's one that's taught and practised from the very first days of pilot training. So what is a missed approach? Well, put simply, a missed approach is a pilot or air traffic control initiated manoeuvre uh, where an aircraft discontinues its final approach to land and instead flies a predefined vertical and lateral path back to a point where it could begin a second approach. I know it's pretty obvious, I think. Now, the missed approach can be initiated at any point um, during the landing, including, in fact, once already on the runway, although technically that's called a bolt landing. And the go-around can be commanded by either pilot, the captain or the first officer, or, as I said, by the um, air traffic controller, the approach controller or tower controller. And you may recall the uh, Asiana crash in uh, San Francisco last year, in which it was quite apparent to at least two of the three pilots on the flight deck that the final approach was not at all going to plan. And despite this, all of them, not one of them, managed to call for a go-around. Uh, at least not until it was far too late. And, and this was really quite puzzling to me, but it, it turns out this is a, as a result of some uh, specific cultural traits in, in Asian cultures where they're very hesitant to question or, or second-guess those in authority. So they all left it, uh, the first officer left it to the captain, and the captain left it to the, uh, the senior line training captain who was there to call for the go-around, but, but nobody did, and, and you saw what happened. Now, fortunately, we don't have those same cultural traits in Western Airlines. Um, so if the go-around command is given, then it's followed without question. Now, as a passenger, probably the first clue you're going to get that the aircraft's going around is when the pilot pushes the toga button, or the takeoff go-around button. And this puts the aircraft systems into a, a go-around mode. And the engines will spool up from their approach power setting, typically around 60%, uh, to full takeoff power. At the same time, the aircraft will pitch up from around 3 to 5 degrees nose up to something like 12 to 18 degrees nose up in order to get the aircraft climbing. And depending exactly on the uh, aircraft type, which stage of the approach you're at, and possibly pilot preference, all of this may be done via the autopilot system and the autothrottle system or maybe manually by the pilot. Now, personally, if the situation allows, when I do a go-around, I like to do it manually, and I like to do it as smoothly as I possibly can for the benefit of passenger comfort. Um, but safety does come first, and it's important to establish the aircraft in the missed approach climb promptly. So, at the same time, while all this is going on, you'll hear the flaps being retracted to a, to a lower setting. And this reduces the drag and allows the aircraft to accelerate and climb away safely. And once a positive rate of climb has been established, you'll hear the landing gear being raised. And again, this is to reduce drag on the aircraft. And then the aircraft will then climb to a, a predefined altitude, the, the missed approach altitude. And it's quite likely that during this, the aircraft has a very high rate of climb. And one of the trickier aspects of flying a missed approach from the pilot point of view, is to ensure that this target altitude, the missed approach altitude, isn't exceeded 
uh, and it requires a very positive control of the aircraft and it sometimes feels to the passengers as though it's being flown more aggressively than usual. And in the cockpit, the pilots will be running through all the relevant checklists to ensure that the correct steps have been accomplished and that the aircraft's on the correct navigation mode and flying the missed approach route as per the approach charts. And every instrument approach to a runway has a defined missed approach route and that, if followed correctly, uh, guarantees a safe path away from the airport. And this would have been briefed uh, thoroughly by the crew before the start of the approach. Having said that, it's quite usual, in fact, for the air traffic controller to issue a different set of go-around instructions. Uh, and actually, this can make life a bit easier for the pilots. So, for example, um, when a go-around is called for, the uh, tower controller may say something like, go around, fly runway heading, maintain 3,000 feet. And this is a nice, simple set of instructions for the crew to follow. And in any event, the uh, controller is probably going to vector the aircraft back around for a second uh, attempt at landing. So what are some of the reasons for making a missed approach? Well, the most common reason, well, or at least should be the most common reason, is because of what we call an unstable approach. Now, every airline has um, a set of criteria relating to speed, rate of descent, that sort of thing, that define a stable approach. And I say that unstable approaches should be the most common cause of missed approaches. But in fact, a recent study by a, a think tank in Canada, the Pressage Group, found that only a small percentage of unstable approaches actually resulted in a go around. And, that, and that's quite interesting. Uh, and it's not entirely clear why. But as a, a pilot community, it's something we need to think about and, uh, and address. If this approach has become unstable, then we should be going around from that approach. Um, and if you'd like to know more about the stable approach concept, it's a big thing in airlines these days. So if you want to know more about stable approach, then uh, check out episode two of the Plane Safety Podcast, which should be on iTunes very soon. Or you can find it on the Plane Safety Podcast Facebook page or the website, which should be up and running very soon, plainsafetypodcast.com. And if you like, you can send me feedback, thoughts or questions to the email address, which is plainsafetypodcast at gmail.com. And there should also be a, a contact me tab on the website. So other reasons for making missed approaches include uh, blocked runways, i.e. where the uh, preceding aircraft hasn't uh, vacated the runway yet, or perhaps an aircraft uh, taxiing on the ground has inadvertently entered the runway environment. Another common uh, cause of go-arounds is the weather. Low visibility, fog, uh, low cloud bases, even strong winds, gusty winds can be a factor. And every instrument approach, uh, whether it's an ILS or a VOR, NDB approach, GPS approach, uh, they all have uh, a minimum altitude, uh, what we call the decision altitude, or just uh, simply DA. And the crew, the pilots, absolutely must respect this decision altitude. Uh, so if when reaching this decision altitude, which is typically 50 to 200 feet above the runway threshold, if you get there and you can't see the runway or the approach lighting system to the runway, then you must go around. No questions asked. You go around. And in cases like this where the weather's quite poor and you've gone around... 
you may not be able, in fact, to go around and make uh, a second approach to land. Uh, it, it may well be that your company procedures prohibit that, uh, and it certainly does in, in mine, unless it's obvious that the weather has improved or there's reason to think a second attempt, a second approach will be successful, then we're then obliged to uh, divert to our alternate airport, which uh, hopefully, if we've done our planning right, has has uh, better weather conditions. And one last cause of missed approaches, although there are many causes, uh, is that the crew may have seen something in the cockpit they don't like, maybe a warning light or an unsafe undercarriage indication. And Often the safest course of action is to go around, stay airborne and work through the problem in good time rather than rushing a landing uh, with an unexplained fault. And as I'm sure you know, the vast majority of accidents and crashes happen in either the landing or takeoff phase. Uh, so really every pilot should be in the mindset as he's making an approach, it should be in the mindset that this approach is going to be a go around going to go around from this approach and then once it becomes obvious that a safe landing can be made and then you can go ahead with that so that's missed approaches uh, i hope you find it interesting and maybe even learn something and remember next time you're on an airplane and just as you think you're about to land suddenly the aircraft goes around well don't worry about it just sit back and enjoy the extra five or ten minutes in the air, all for no extra charge. It's Pilot Pip signing off. Take care. Right, so thanks a lot for that, uh, Pip. That was great, wasn't it, Simon? Yes, uh, really enjoyed that. Re- really interesting. That's good to hear um, some different sort of aspects of uh, of all sort of things to do with safety, pilot wise and airline wise. Yes, always uh, safety is um, paramount uh, on any uh, flight or anything. So yeah, great. We hope to bring you uh, one of those each week uh, from Pip. He's going to hopefully record us one of those, and we're going to include those um, in a regular spot on the show. So moving on then to the next segment, we're going to do Simon's military and air show uh, news. So if you're ready, Simon, you've got all your bits and pieces ready? Yes, let's go. Right, let's go. So with his military and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, yeah, the first uh, bit of uh, military news we've got here, and we've talked about this in a previous podcast, is Turkey has um, at last ended its delay in accepting its first A400M. Um, this uh, Airbus, uh, which is um, uh, new out and first flown in 2013, is um, quite an impressive aircraft. And we've seen this uh at Riyadh, and you've uh, most probably uh, seen this at Farnborough, well. yeah. Yeah, 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 and uh, it's impressive, and it flew with the Red Arrows last year. So, uh, yes, um, they've actually uh, taken uh, fir- their first sort of uh, delivery uh, um, delay after a, a few months, so uh, that's uh, uh, pretty uh, good news for them, because um, there's not many people uh, actually uh, have these. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, Turkey's Air Force will eventually operate 10 A400Ms. Uh, these will replace the uh, C-160D Transal Transports. Uh, 16 remain in use, uh, says Flight Global's 
database which um, records them to having been built between 1968 and 1969. Well, that's an old fleet. Yes, yeah. that is. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, pretty good uh, news that is. Yeah, that's good news for Airbus. Yes, and uh, obviously uh, another bit of uh, news here. India um, waits on C-130J crash findings. The Indian Air Force has yet to come out the preliminary report on a fatal crash of the Lockheed Martin C-130J tactical transport aircraft, which resulted in the deaths of its five experienced aircrew. Investigators, investigations as a part of the court inquiry are currently underway, and we have nothing further to add and comment the Air Force says. The aircraft's flight date recorder, which sustained damage in the crash on the 28th of March, has been recovered from the accident site to avoid any loss of data while trying to decode the equipment. We have decided to send the black box to the US. The Press Trust of India quoted an Air Force spokesman as saying, at the request of the Indian Air Force, Lockheed Martin is uh, assisting uh, with the investigation, the company says. So, uh, that's uh, quite sad news, isn't it? Yeah, the uh, six uh, the aircraft was one, a third of six C one thirty Js that were delivered to the Indian Air Force between two thousand and ten and two thousand and twelve. Uh, so that's one of the latest ones, the J series. Yes, of, yes, the um, that's a, yeah, the uh, latest version. Uh, so there must have been uh, some. Uh, Something uh, that's uh, caused this. Uh, the ill-fated transport was commanded by Wing Commander Prashant Joshi, um, an experienced pilot who was the deputy formation leader, uh, where three of the C-130Js took part in the types of inaugural flypass at India's uh, Republic Day Parade in 2012. So um, that is very sad. Yeah, we're just looking at the picture on there, just the tail section uh, remaining of that aircraft. Yes, yeah. And, with the uh, cargo sort of door there, you can see it's quite a, a sort of bad crash, really. Yes, so. yes. Um, looks like I was flipped over um, on landing or something there. Um, it's quite um, sad, really. So hopefully they'll find out uh, what's, what happened and what caused that crash. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. The next uh, bit of information here is um, we've touched on this uh, before is the um, phasing out and the. Uh, Drawn to a close of the uh, tornado uh, Panavia G- tornado uh, GR four, um, which is uh, coming uh, to the end of its uh, uh, life, um, a phase reduction of the Air- uh, UK Royal Air Force fleet of uh, Panavia tornado GR four strike aircraft has been taken. Its latest step with two frontline units having been stood down on the twenty eighth of March. The services twelve and six one seven squadrons ceased operations with a disbandment ceremony conducted at RAF Lossiemouth in Scotland, which, from mid two thousand and fourteen, will instead become the home of its Eurofighter Typhoon, equipped with one and six squadrons, which are to be relocated at RAF Lucas. Both squadrons have delivered precision air power around the world, whether it be air to air combat or air to ground attack and intelligence gathering role. We are proud of the heritage, but look. F- Look to the future, says AVM Stuart Arthur, Air Force Commanding Officer, RAF One Group. So uh, this uh, aircraft, um, known as the Dam Busters and 617 Squadron, will be reformed in 2018 as part of the UK's frontline unit to operate the Lockheed Martin F-35B Lightning II. Some of the personnel from 12 Squadron, meanwhile, will be retained at Lossamow to support operations of the Typhoon. The latest unit uh, retirements leave the RF with operational tornado GR4 squadrons only at its Marham base in Norfolk. Its 15 squadron operational conversion 
unit for the type will remain at Lossiemouth until 2018, with last examples currently expect to leave during 2019. So that's a shame. That yeah, is I, the amount of times I've seen those flying over our house yes, over the years. And, the tornadoes. Um, and uh, it's just lovely um, to see this uh, at many air shows. And, and you know as well as I do, when that comes in on an air show um, sort of uh, um, display, it's a uh, full uh, wing swept right back and uh, at full power. It's something else, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You can you can hear those aircraft before they get to you. I yeah. mean, definitely. <laughs> if, you're, if you're out in the garden, you can definitely hear those uh, before they get to you. <laughs> but that is uh, fairly unique, isn't it? Because there's not many aircraft that have that um, sort of... Uh, Swept wing, uh, no, um, sort of setup. So yeah, that is uh, quite good. Right, ne- uh, next bit of news is uh, the Navy have ordered five more MQ eight Cs. Northrop Grumman has won a forty three point eight million dollar contract to produce five MQ eight C fire scout un- un- unmanned helicopters to the U.S. Navy. Now this uh, aircraft, we, um, we were talking about this earlier, is um, a jet ranger shell, isn't it? Yeah, you can see that, and it's just completely near enough modified, modified, yeah. and uh, obviously it's um, pilotless, and it has a big radar uh, camera boom on the front, and uh, and there's a few more little uh, extra bits that it has on there. But it's uh, quite amazing that uh, more and more aircraft are becoming uh, pilotless. Yeah, this one is completely uh, autonomous, uh, controlled, um, with no like we said, no pilot. Um, it's quite a stunning air, uh, helicopter to look at. It's, yes. it's kind of strange because there's, there's no um, glass on the actual. Yes, um, just uh, completely uh, near enough, all sprayed in uh, that sort of gray. Uh, stealthy grey, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, these um, coming into sort of service, and that'd be quite quite interesting to see these flying uh, about. Um, hopefully, one uh, one day um, soon, or the next few years, we'll be able to see this uh, flying around. Um, yeah. so there's a lot of work gone into this. Yeah, they first the MQ8C Fire Scout first flew on October the thirty first last year. Uh, it flew for seven minutes in restricted airspace using autonomous controls uh, at Naval Base Ventura County. It flew a second time in November in two thousand thirteen. Uh, they're under contract to build fourteen of these helicopters, and uh, as to date, the aircraft have flown sixty six hours. Um, and like we said. No pilot involved. No, and uh, the aircraft doesn't look as though it's um, changed much in shape um, because you can still see where the door is and you can still see where the uh, glass was, which they've obviously been replaced um, with just... um, I think it's like a radar bouncing type paint job. Yes, yeah, yeah, and there's a few more modifications and then underneath there it's got like a little um, set of uh, skis on it as normal um but i'm just trying to see what that is under the uh, main uh, part of the aircraft something with uh, like little wheels on something i don't know whether, what that is but um we'll find out in the future hopefully yeah so that's uh quite a nice uh little um helicopter unmanned helicopter but you uh, don't he- you hear of unmanned aircraft but now we're hearing of unmanned uh, helicopters so. yeah yeah so yeah. you've got some uh Air show uh, type news for us, isn't it? Yes, yes, I have. Um, I've uh, actually uh, compiled the, or I say I've compiled, I've actually printed off the uh, first um, D Day anniversary air show uh, for this year. This is uh, based at Duxford. It's on the 24th and 25th of May 2014. Um, they've actually just uh, released a confirmation 
bearing in mind the uh, aircraft that I'm actually going to read out shortly, um, all flying is subject to weather, serviceability, and operational commitment. So if anything does ever change here, um, uh, which it normally does with uh, any air show, um, you just need to keep up to date on their website and check on the day uh, if you arrive or are going to Duxford. Right. Um, one uh, thing which I'm quite excited about is... Um, the Red Devils are actually um, being supported by the Battle of Britain Memorial flight this year. So um, they're actually going to be jumping out of the uh, Dakota, the uh, RS DC-3. Yes, um, so that is uh, quite interesting. That will uh, be quite good. So we'll have the Battle of Britain Memorial flight uh, flying the Dakota and with the Red Devils actually uh, jumping out of the aircraft. So um, that is uh, very, uh, very uh, worthwhile, worthwhile uh, taking a look at. And uh, if we get nice uh, weather, the, hopefully they'll have uh, quite a high ceiling. Uh, bearing in mind, they are close to um, Stansted, so uh, we'll have to uh, keep an eye on what uh, sort of height they jump at. So, um, yeah, that will be good. We've got uh, Douglas C-47A Skytrain. One, two, three, four of those. And uh, they are based uh, with uh, certain other um, sort of... Uh, uh, people, so uh, we uh, look forward to that, and uh, we've got one of those TBC to be confirmed. So um, we'll just have to keep an eye on that, and obviously keep an eye on Duxford's website. And we've got one, two, three, four, five. So we've got about seven or eight um, Super Spitfire Marines uh, flying, so that should uh, be good. As I said earlier, there are a lot of these uh, aircraft uh, flying, and um, uh, they should be hopefully flying in uh, formation. And uh, most of these will be based um, uh, flying out of Duxford uh, Airshow on the day and uh, on the ground for uh, static uh, photos um, before they actually take flight. Um, also, we have four Piper L4 Cubs. Um, they'll be flying as well. We've got the uh, Augusta Westland Apache. Um, that is quite a nice sight. Um, always uh, good to see that. Um, Apaches, yeah. Yes. They fly um, over us quite a lot as well, actually. Yes, because um, yeah. they are based uh, fairly close. Uh, they're based at uh, Waddisham uh, 3rd Regiment Arm. Uh, Air Army Corps, so uh, yeah, that'd be good. We've got a Hawker Hurricane, um, that's always a good sight as well. And we've got a Messerschmitt BF 109, that'll be flying as well. And a Fairy Swordfish as well, uh, so we've got that flying. We've got the Grumman F2 Wildcat, um, it's with the folding wings, so uh, that's another good aircraft, um, which I always like uh, watching. Um, yeah, we've got the uh, North American P-51 Mustang. Um, that's always a uh, good one. I think, if I remember rightly, that is um, the silver and uh, yellow one. Yeah, that will be. There. That's, there's two of those, I think, isn't there? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so um, yeah, and the other one is uh, listed underneath it here, so that should be there as well. And the Sally B, um, which is based uh, mainly at Duxford, um, flies out of Duxford, that will uh, be flying as well. Awesome. Love that one. So uh, that is totally amazing. Uh when I actually see that flying, uh, that is uh, quite an, uh, an enjoyable sight. So, yeah, we've got that. Um, what else have we got? Oh, we've got the Eurofighter Typhoon, which is 29 Squadron, based at RAF Coningsby. And um, also the Auster Aracat, uh, that is uh, flying as well. And that is the complete list as of today. So um, if you uh, keep up to date on the Duxford website, you should actually um, see more aircraft being added. But like I said, um, they're all subject to weather and serviceability and operational duties. Yes, hope all these air shows have good weather. <laughs> yes, um, yes, we have uh, had uh, some uh, previous air shows uh, from previous years where the weather's been uh, dreadful and it had to be cancelled because of heavy rain and uh, storms. So 
Yeah. Um, you've got some news about Rhea. Yes, yes. Um, you've actually uh, found this up for me. I've, I only had a look a few weeks ago, and um, how quickly things change from having uh, one aircraft or one uh, display team, which was the, just the Red Arrows um, confirmed the flying, and now uh, looking at this. Yeah, you've got. There's quite a huge list of aircraft now. <laughs> some static and some flying. Yes. Now, uh, if you go onto the uh, React website, it's um, quite an in-depth uh, website. You've got the uh, Breitling uh, countdown clock, and uh, currently we have 96 days, 18 hours, 57 minutes, and 40 seconds precisely. So <laughs> <laughs> you laughed when I said that because I was waiting for the uh, seconds to go there, um, but. It's a lovely website, and as um, obviously you've got job vacancies, they do uh, need people to work there um, during this. Now, I've often thought of that. How about you? Yeah, but I wouldn't want to go back to my usual job. No. <laughs> well, I'd still do the podcasting, but yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's got Friends of Ria, coach trips and parties, and uh, obviously uh, flight times and aircraft there. But, yeah, if you look at the website... So what have we got, then? What have we got to look forward to this we year? We have so got... Um, to start with, we've got the Algerian Air Force. They've got a C-130 uh, Hercules, and that is static um, at the moment. Um, obviously, we've got SF um, flying and uh, static or TBC to be confirmed. So that gives you an idea of what aircraft are flying and what aircraft are static at uh, Riyadh. Um, next, uh, we've got some civilian aircraft. We've got the L-39 Albatross, which is a Breitling jet team. Now, I've met these guys, and they're a nice bunch of guys. Um, from the Breitling uh, jet team, the Albatrosses, and uh, they're quite an impressive for display team, uh, which um, really aren't given enough um, sort of praise of their uh, sort of aerobatics that they do, because um, they're mainly all the other uh, display teams are taking the sort of centre stage. But they are very good, and um, they're a nice bunch of guys. Also, we've got the uh, Breitling Wingwalkers, now times four. So we've got the four Boeing uh, Stearmans in the orange and white. And uh, I know these guys as well, so that will be uh, well well worth uh, going to see these. Um, and uh, obviously we'll be in the uh, Breitling enclosure uh, while we're there. So uh, hopefully we can get a chat with these guys. And we've got the Royal Jordanian Falcons. Now they are similar to the Blades um, when they fly the extra 300L aircraft. Yeah, acrobatic monoplane that is. Yes, and it's a lot of uh, elastic bands and strings uh, still used to uh, control the aircraft <laughs> rudders. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, that's quite an impressive uh, thing to see, and uh, I do like these guys as well. Right, Germany have got an EC-135, and it's to be confirmed uh, at the moment. So uh, that's the uh, Eurocopter, um, which I think it is. The German yeah. army, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's static at the moment. The Italian uh, Air Force have got an A-11, uh, they've got an A two hundred tornado. Um, what, what have we got here? The uh, Mashi. Uh, there's times ten. Freeze Tricolori uh, display team. They're an impressive display team as well. Uh, they've got the uh, Alenia Spartan, um, which is transport, and then the F two hundred or two thousand A Typhoon fighter aircraft. Now these are all flying um, at the show, so uh, that should be uh, really impressive uh, to look at. So um, next, uh, what have we got? Uh, we've got the um, uh, Lithuanian uh, C-27J uh, Spartan. That's a transport aircraft. That's to be confirmed. Um, and that is static at the moment. Um, NATO, 
we've got the E3A Sentry, um, which is the uh, AWACS uh, aircraft, and that is static as well. Obviously, these are uh, all subject to change. There must uh, be a lot of room at Riyadh because that yes. A3 Sentry is quite a large aircraft, yes, isn't it? Yes, um, until you've uh, actually been there. Um, so, you know, we're both quite excited because Carlos has taken me to um, Barnborough. I've never been there before, and uh, I'm taking him to uh, Riyadh because he's never been there before. So we're, we've each uh, got an air show. Um, we've got to show each other, so um, it's quite an impressive uh, day. And they do have the show bus, which you can get on and off for free because it's such a big um, big air show and static area. So it's very impressive. Right, uh, moving on with Oman. They have a C-130J Hercules. That's to be confirmed, and that's static at the moment. Right, um, this in uh, Switzerland, they have the FA-18 Hornet, as TBC, to be confirmed, fighter aircraft, that's flying. The Patrol de Suisse, F-5E Tiger, times six, they are a good, great aerobatic team, and I think they're drawing them to a close, which is a shame. Also, we've got the Hunter M-58, and that's the Patrol Swiss fighter aircraft, and that's flying. And a Super Puma TBC helicopter to be confirmed. So, there's still a lot of aircraft uh, to be confirmed, and uh, we're now moving on to the United Kingdom. Ah, what, what have we got going, Son? Right, um, well, it's our usual mix of stuff, and uh, all the top airshow aircraft. We've got the Dakota, which is a Battle of Britain Memorial flight. It's transport, um, which I mentioned earlier, um, with the Red Devils jumping out at Duxford. Got the Hawk times 10. Um, obviously, we've got Red 10, um, uh, Red Arrows aerobatic display team. Now, they normally bring 12 or 13 aircraft to Riyadh. Um, they take the spare ones with them. So although it says 10, there may be um, 12 or 13 of the aircraft there. So that's another good... And we're there for the two days for this because we've got the special pit... Pit pass for the yes. Red Arrows on the Friday. So uh, we will be meeting the pilots, fingers crossed, on yep. the uh, Friday. Yeah, I've got uh, got that time, <coughs> time off, booked off. Yes, and another good thing is we're going to be watching the aircraft arrive on that day as well because um, that isn't the official uh, air show day, um, although it's a Red Arrows day. Um, so um, as well as being with the Red Arrows on that Friday, we will be uh, watching a lot of the uh, other aircraft arriving um, and uh, transiting into uh, Riyadh, which will be quite exciting. Hopefully during these uh, air shows as well, because we've got uh, our outside recording uh, equipment now, uh, we'll hopefully be doing some interviews with various yes, people. Yes, yes, uh, that should be uh, very interesting. Right, uh, also, as well as the uh, Red Arrows, we've got more B- uh, BBMF, and um, we've got the Hurricane. It's a fighter aircraft, that is uh, flying, and that will be flying, obviously, with the Dakota, uh, and the Lancaster and the Spitfire, so... BBMF, is for those a, of you who uh, are not uh, sure, is the Battle of Britain Memorial flight. It is, yes. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but that's uh, short. It's a uh, nice way of uh, configuring that long word. Yeah, so um, that is uh, good. Always good uh, to see the Battle of Britain Memorial flight with their aircraft. And um, next thing is a Tucano, uh, that's a, a favourite of mine, and always has been, and always will be, um, which is a single-engined uh, uh, aircraft Um which has uh, the black livery this year with the poppies, unless we forget. So that is um, hopefully see that flying um, with perhaps the Battle of Britain Memorial flight would be uh, good. And also uh, we've got the 29 Squadron uh, Typhoon uh, uh, flying. So 
That'll be good. And the United States have got one aircraft um, at the moment. So far, yeah. So far. Um, and I'm hoping there'll be a few more, like the B-52 and the B-1 Lancer, um, which I've uh, seen many uh, previous years. Um, but recently, the last few years, they have uh, cut right back on their sort of flying, which is a shame. So we've got the FA-18 Super Hornet, and that is actually confirmed as flying. So um, that is um, quite uh, good. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's just about me wrapped up for now. But as you can uh, tell by uh, everything now, we're starting to uh, head in. We've got a lovely day today. And um, we're only just uh, weeks, if not days, away from the main air show season. So uh, things are going to start hotting up on the uh, podcasts very much. And uh, it's getting exciting. That's getting exciting. I know that will soon be here, Simon. Yes. We're only a few months away uh, from uh, Ria as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're all... (laughs) That's going to be a busy few months, I think, over the yes. summertime. Let's hope the weather weather stays good yes, anyway. fingers crossed. If you're not busy, I'll maybe take you to Duxford in a few weeks' time. So. Yes, yes. I have, uh, on that date, I've got a wedding to do that uh, that day, particularly Saturday. But on the Sunday, yes, well. I'll, I'll have to drag myself out of bed <laughs> early. And, it doesn't uh, matter, I'll drive. Yeah, I'll, I'll be half asleep. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we should we should be good good to go for that. Um, so that's all the uh, military and air show news. Then we've got yes. Um, um, coming any- up in a second, we've got uh, our usual aircraft in focus um, our aircraft of the week, as chosen by uh, our listeners off Facebook and through email. And uh, we've got a few shouts to do for some listeners. Yes, yes. And uh, anything else you want to cover? Uh, no, I think uh, we're all up to date on the air shows, um, but. If uh, anybody uh, does have any uh, updates on any of the air shows uh, that are coming in the next few months, uh, please keep us informed. Um, and uh, as I speak, I've put some more photos of the uh, Red Arrows up on our uh, podcast um, page on Facebook. Uh, now they are out in Cyprus uh, training in uh, beautiful sunshine and uh, clear skies. And uh, let's wish the uh, guys well on their 50th uh, birthday celebrations. Uh, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, welcoming them back in the UK uh, shortly um, once they've uh, been uh, given official uh, flying colours uh, for the 50th birthday celebration uh, season. Um, but as I said, um, they've had a safe journey out to um, Cyprus and uh, wish them well on their uh, practice and uh, training uh, Springhawk and uh, welcome, them back, welcome them back into the UK with, um, sometime next month. Um, so... Uh, Enjoy yourselves, guys, and uh, we look forward to seeing you and welcoming you all back uh, very soon. And uh, I'll get some more pictures uh, put up uh, on our uh, site so you can have a look at the uh, spectacular photos of them flying in brilliant sunshine. Excellent. Right, so we'll bring that uh, segment to a close then, and we'll come back after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Yes, we really do want to hear from you. Send us your feedback uh, via the website or send it uh, to our email address and we'll give you a mention on the show. Okay, so we're going to do our segment now then on our in-focus aircraft uh, as chosen by you guys. Have you ready, Simon? Yes, I'm ready. And now it's time for our in-focus aircraft of the week. 
So our in-focus aircraft of the week then, as chosen by you, our listeners, via Facebook and email. So this week's uh, chosen uh, aircraft is going to be the BAC-111. Yes. So the British Aircraft Corporation 111, also known as the BAC-111, was a British short-range jet of the 1960s and 1970s era. It was the second short-haul jet airliner to enter service following the French Sud Aviation Caravelle. The aircraft was also licensed and produced in Romania during the 1980s as the Rombac 111. The 111 was originally conceived by hunting aircraft and was subsequently developed by the British Aircraft Corporation when hunting merged into BAC along with several other British aircraft manufacturers in 1960. The 111 was aimed at replacing the role of the earlier turboprop-powered Vickers Viscount on short-range routes. The 111 made it to the market ahead of its rivals such as the McDonnell Douglas DC-9, which gave it a temporary edge on the market. The aircraft proved to be a popular with uh, domestic airlines and with various international operators. Over half of the 111's sales at launch were to the largest and most lucrative market, the United States. The 111 was one of the most successful British airliner designs and served until a widespread retirement in the 1990s, which was partly due to the introduction of aircraft noise restrictions in many European nations. It first flew in 1963 and was introduced into service in 1965. And its primary users were British Airways, American Airlines, Braniff Airways and British United Airways. It was produced in the UK from 1963 till 1982 and then production moved to Romania uh, from 1982 till 1989. There were 244 of the aircraft built and there were four different models, the 200, the 300, uh, 475 and the 500 model uh, with the 200 series models holding 79 passengers and the 500 series models holding 119 passengers. They were 93 foot 6 inches in length and had a wingspan of 980 square feet or 91 metres squared. The height of the aircraft off the ground was 24 feet 6 inches and the cabin width was 10 foot 6 inches. Uh, the typical weights empty were 46,312 pounds and the maximum takeoff weight was 78,500 pounds. Maximum cruising speed at 21,000 feet was 548 miles an hour and the stall speed for those of you who want to know was 124 miles an hour it had a service ceiling maximum height of 35,000 feet and a rate of climb of 2,750 feet a minute uh, its range was 830 miles which increased to 1,700 miles with the 500 series the original ones were powered by the Rolls-Royce RB163 Spey Mark 506 engines producing 10,410 pounds of thrust and the 500 series, the last to be produced, were powered by the Rolls-Royce RB163 Spey Mark 5 uh, engine producing 12,500 pounds of thrust. So there we go. One aircraft that I've uh, flown on before. Yes, um, oh, me too. 
Uh, I can remember this one from uh, a trip I took to Yugoslavia. Yes. And that was with British Island Airways, yep. BIA, uh, with a new orange stripe down the uh, fuselage. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> for anybody who doesn't know, um, we've talked about this uh, numerous times. There is one at Duxford. Um, it's the uh, former British Airways um, city of Dorset. Um, it's actually been um, completely uh, repainted. It's hopefully, that will be uh, painted back into the... Uh, British Airways um, colour it was uh, originally because um, it was uh, starting to show signs of wear. So uh, they've given it a, a paint job. Yeah, a paint it does job. look a lot better now. Actually, yes, yeah. um, it's got the primer on it, and uh, hopefully, um, I don't know that t- does take a little while at Duxford to get their uh, their aircraft completely uh, repainted. But um, bear with them, and I'm sure it will uh, look uh, lovely once it's finished. Yeah, there's four of these aircraft on display in the UK, uh, as Simon's saying. There's one at the Brooklyn Museum in Surrey. There's uh, one at the Imperial War Museum at Duxford in Cambridge. Uh, that's a 500 series yes, one, that is. Yes, so that's the extra range. That's, uh, yeah, that's Golf Alpha Victor Mike Uniform. Uh, there's one at the National Museum of Flight in East Fortune, Scotland. Yes, I've seen that one. And there's one at the Classic <coughs> Air Force Museum near Newquay in Cornwall. And that was the last 111 to fly in the UK, that one, uh, the one at Cornwall. That was uh, Zulu Hotel 763. Yeah, That was also a 500 series wow. uh, aircraft. So there's not that many. There's only about four, you say. Yeah, four on show in the UK. There's a fuselage section of <coughs> one uh, Golf Alpha Zulu Mike Foxtrot, which is being used as a training aid at Newcastle Aviation Academy in Newcastle. Um, and that one was the last one to fly a scheduled European flight on March the 31st, 2002. And that's been used as, as a training aid now. Yes. yeah. I don't think there's any flying in the world at all, is there? I'm not 100% sure. They're, I think there is actually some still flying, but not, uh, not obviously around not, here. not around here, yes. no. So that's our In Focus aircraft uh, of the week, the BAC-111. So uh, we are going to come back with you uh, with some listener mail after this. Gear up. Gear up, that's it. So we've got uh, we've got a few uh, shout outs and a few bits of um, listener feedback for you, and we're going to do those now. And now it's time for the listener mail. Yeah, and so we've got some listener feedback uh, to play or to uh, to tell well, to tell you. Get my words right here. So we've had uh, a message uh, via our Facebook page from Andrew Loy. Now, Andrew is one of our listeners, and um, he actually sent us uh, a question, Simon, uh, one that um, <laughs> is, it, it amused me when we got this come through. So I think I, I sent you a message, and I did tell yes. you we got this. And uh, Andrew uh, Loy would like to know where our peanut puffs come from <laughs> on the show. He obviously uh, listens to the show a lot because he knows that, um, especially Simon, has uh, a great love of peanut puffs. Um 
and I actually replied to uh, to Andrew and told him uh, where we got our peanut puffs from. Um, shan't mention mention the shop because we don't do um, shameless adverts on no, here we at don't, all. No. Um, but uh, we uh, obviously said uh, told them where the peanut puffs come from, and um, yeah, we uh, thought we'd give you a, a mention on the show, Andrew. And uh, yeah, keep listening to the show. And uh, like we said, uh, go to the shop, get yourself some peanut puffs. It's a um, big bag. It's a big, ba- it's it's a American, big bag. It's American. It's American size bags. Bag. We like that. <laughs> and uh, moving on, then we've got uh, uh, a tweet on our Twitter site from uh, Mark Maiden. Uh, Mark Maiden sent us uh, a, a tiny bit of feedback here. Uh, great podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Um, and that's from Mark Maiden uh, via Twitter. Yes. And uh, we've also had um, a, a great bit of um, a plug from uh, Captain Jeff on his last show. He uh, he played some feedback that I sent him as well on the Airline Pilot Guy podcast. So thanks for that, Jeff. Uh, he listens to the show as well. Just goes to show you, if, even if you're a pilot, you can still listen to uh, to to us waffle on for, for nearly two hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd also like to thank uh, Wayne uh, Bova for um, yeah. Thanks, for, Wayne, for joining us today on the show in our studio, in our kitchen studio. No yeah. problem, guys. Yes, <laughs> uh, and a um, uh, special uh, shout out to my brother Dean Will Taunton. I know they uh, love listening uh, to our podcast, and uh, Charlotte Hall as well. Um, she uh, loves uh, listening to them. And uh, do they do they listen to? Yes, them? So they I do. Think you should quiz them on. The yes, show. I should uh, really ask yeah. some questions uh, just just to check out uh, <laughs> that they're not taking the Mickey out of us both. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, we thank you guys for listening to us on that. And uh, Gem uh, Holden, uh, we'll uh, give her a special mention because uh, I know uh, she loves our podcast as well. Yeah, Tim Hitchcock as well. He's also uh, he popped up on Facebook as well. Uh, so Tim Hitchcock, hello to you as well, and hello to all the listeners. Um, and don't forget as well, uh, Pip Pilot Pip and his uh, Plane Safety podcast. You can get that on uh, iTunes now. His first episode, that's his first um, um, complete massive first ever podcast he's done, and that's really good. I listen to that, and um, as we said before, uh, hopefully Pip is going to send us a little segment each week uh, to plan the show, so you can listen to him. And don't forget to go on iTunes and download his show and listen to him as well. So you can contact us then via email. You can email the show at uh, plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com, plain spelt P-L-A-N-E. And don't forget to look us up on Facebook at Plain Talking UK Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Send us some feedback via those means and uh, we'll give you a mention on the show. Yes. So that's it. We're going to bring this show to a close. Episode number sixteen of the Plain Talking yeah, UK. Yeah, and that podcast. was a that was a very long one today. And uh, they may get a, our podcast is going to start getting possibly a bit longer as we uh, head into the air show season because um, we'll be giving you uh, updates uh, all the while on our air shows, and um, we'll also be giving uh, reviews uh, once uh, the air show has taken place. So. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, look out for us, as we said before, at the air shows this year. Me and Simon are going to try and make as many air shows as we can. We're uh, in the process of having some T-shirts made um, with our lovely names on, Simon. Yes. And they're going to have the um, the logo as well on the T-shirts. And we're going to be wearing those. So look out for us at the air shows. Come and give us a, a, a poke or yeah. a, a prod. Or a hello. <laughs> or a hello. Um, yeah, come and, uh, come and say hello to us. Yeah, and any questions you've got for us... Um, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to come up and ask us. Um, yes, definitely. 
So don't forget, please do send us some uh, some of your feedback. We want to hear what uh, what you want us to talk about in the show. If there's any particular things, aircraft or um, <coughs> stuff that you want us to chat around or put us a little tiny segment together for on the show, just uh, let us know, and we'll we'll do that when we sign. Yes, we will. Okay, then. So that's it then for episode number 16 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I want to say thanks uh, to Simon and to Wayne as well, uh, for Wayne, for joining us this week. And uh, from me, Carlos, we'll see you or speak to you again in episode number 17. So from me, Carlos, it's goodbye and clear skies. And from you, Simon. Yeah, you take care and uh, loving the uh, bluebird skies today. You take care. Safe flying. Safe flying. Goodbye.